Orphan barrels represent the bourbon industry in general, right? So they bought a whole bunch of old shitty barrels and they <laughs> no, just had them. No, no, Carrie, I don't know if you read the marketing, but they didn't know they were there and they found <laughs> them. <laughs> From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to the episode of the Burn Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here tonight with the sixth edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. We got a we got a good one uh, lined up. You know, some some really kind of hot topics. Actually, these are some of the ones that were kind of top of mind for me lately, just because of just rumors of stuff that have come out and and whatnot. And I think it's uh, good to always get kind of just general information out there. So, with that, uh, Ryan, how are you doing this evening? I am doing well. That these topics are very hot in my head as well, and so I can't wait to discuss them. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, easy enough. So with that, uh, as usual, for anybody that's never listened to an episode with the Bourbon Community Roundtable, this is being done on YouTube Live. We're actually uh, very high right now. We've got seventy-five viewers uh, uh, watching right now, so I think we're we might break a record tonight. Maybe we'll hit a hundred. But what happens is this is all happening on YouTube Live. We've got a live chat going on, so. Once we ask a question, we, uh, you know, we can always go ahead and, you know, you can put in your answer in the live chat box or anything like that. And everybody here can actually read it at the same exact time. So with that, let's go ahead and introduce our panel of guests tonight. So, uh, Blake, we'll kind of kick it over to you first. How's it going, guys? I'm Blake from bourboner.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email list. We try to cover all social media platforms at this point. Uh, so happy to be back for my sixth bourbon community roundtable. 
And I'm Nick from BreakingBourbon.com, one of the three guys, Nick, Jordan, and Eric. Uh, glad to be here. You can find us online, BreakingBourbon.com, and on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. I'm the artist formerly known as Suburbia. <laughs> I blog, but uh, it's just been a little too busy to blog. It's S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A.com, or follow me on Twitter at bourbon underscore gamer if i ever knew how to change the twitter name that i made initially i would but otherwise bourbon underscore gamer follow it, live, live it. <laughs> is there going to be a suburb boner i've trademarked any the bourbon boner, boner jokes okay. that, yeah. <laughs> boners are taking place got the boners <laughs> uh, i have already put in all patents and uh trademark infringements w- suits will be filed so i want to see that logo <laughs> yeah <laughs> looks a lot like the the baby saz bottle yeah. <laughs> that's what it is i was gonna say maybe two barrels and a thieve or something yeah yeah <laughs> All right. So with that, let's go ahead and kind of get it kicked off. So one of the, one article actually came out today and I don't know, it might've been a surprise, might've, um, you know, left people feeling a little sheepish or a little uh, red faced about it. But Chuck Cowdery came out with an article today that said uh, fans of old granddad 114, you know, there was a rumor a few months ago uh, that this was something that was going to be long gone. And as you would expect, anything that's going to happen in Kentucky and Louisville, shelves were cleared within a matter of a week and a half. And there was a, uh, what Chuck kind of released today, maybe it was a leak, maybe it was a press release, hell, I don't know. But the folks over at Beam Suntory have gone ahead and said that it is not going away, that old granddad 114 is still going to be around and kicking. Uh, you'll start seeing shipments happen in the next uh, few months. So I guess uh, Beam's back to their old antics. Uh, what do you guys think about it? I'll, I'll push it over to you, Kerry. So is this like deja vu? Like, did this just happen? With bookers. And once again, I called this. I said old granddad. I may not have said it, but I meant it. In my head <laughs> and I thought about it. That old granddad, all the industry is on such an edge right now that the, you know, there can be rumors of a product going, just being discontinued. People will fly to the shelves and buy them. All the big companies know this. Beam's not stupid. They're like, look what happened with bookers. You know, we did this whole price, the price hike stuff we're not sure when we're gonna you know go into effect but the price is gonna go up the shelves were cleared and i said whoa 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 settle down we're gonna go up in increments it's not gonna be as high so you know i don't even know that they ever said we're gonna drop old grand at 114 it just became a rumor and so they cashed in on it you know they just they let it go they let it go let it go everybody cleared the shelves and like oh actually we have a crap ton of old granddads we're gonna go ahead and sit back out and i think it's brilliant marketing yeah, until they just piss you off even more. I don't know. It's it's shenanigans, I think. And it's like, when's the boy that cry wolf? You know, you, you keep saying all these things, and then we're just not going to believe it anymore. So that that's my thought on it. It's just like, I don't know. It's, it's the wolves that need to settle down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Blake or Nick, any thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it kind of shows how much they're listening to the community almost. It's Because this never came out as a public release it was always kind of just rumored and you know then everyone kind of freaked out about it and then like oh no hold on we're gonna we're gonna hold on to it for a little bit longer and you know it it just shows a lot of indecision um which i i don't think is a good thing from a a giant corporation like that um it, it just 
I don't know. It doesn't sit well with a lot of the, um, a lot of the, you know, kind of whiskey nerds because you hear all this information like, oh yeah, it's definitely going away. Got in private information from trusted sources. And then all of a sudden somebody like Chuck, who I would trust his word over just about anyone else says, no, they've decided they were kind of talking about it. Now they're going to go back. It's going to stay around for another year or so. Then we'll see. It's like, is that the direction of the company where they're that unsure about what to do with, um, with these big brands, like, like old granddad. I mean, that's been around for how long? Um, and yet they're still not quite sure what to do with it. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't look great with all the indecision. A trusted source is somebody making a comment on a post on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you gotta, it's a retweet. You you recognize the name. You're like, okay, this guy may at least know what he's talking about. Um, there's names that pop up on the Facebook groups consistently where they're right, whether or not, but, but see, the, the, the part that angers me, and sorry, I'll, I'll let you guys respond soon. And just <laughs> Why don't the companies actually respond to the rumors? Why do they let it sit, even though you email them and email them either, for months? I emailed them six months ago about the rumor, and they didn't write back ever. Like, why do they, they do that shit on purpose? Because they because want to feed into the hype. Here, here's my thing is, is Beam, you, you have like Beam the – distillery who is all about the product everything then you have beam the giant corporation which is you know suntory is massive and they don't like certain things being handled one way or the other then you have beam the public relation part of it where they're going to give you the pr of oh well we craft every bourbon with the same matter of uh love and finesse or whatever it is so it's you never quite know what story you're going to get based on who you're asking. At least that's been my experience with them. Yeah. Old granddad 114. I mean, if you look at that, that's a, you know, that's kind of a bourbon geeks bottle. You know, that's a bottle that people didn't really know about, didn't really talk about. It's high proof for the price. You know, it's good. It's not, it's not super, you know, it's not a 40 or $50 bottle, you know? So you think about how they take advantage of that, you know, that back and forth, the asking questions, seeing what people think about it without giving an answer because they maybe they don't know the answer or maybe they want to see what direction it goes. You know, I'm looking back at, I just pulled up our survey. One of the questions, this was on the, this was actually on the uh, bookers was, you know, how people would feel if they changed the price back, you know, so you could equate that to the same thing. How would people feel if old granddad 114 was going to stay as opposed to go? And I heard it from a good source. So I know they were really seriously thinking about it at one point. Uh, so he had out of, out of the group about thirty percent, you know, thought they'd have mixed feelings, annoyed, but kind of happy they were listened to. So, you know, are we happy that it's staying? Are we annoyed that it's staying? You know, that's that's a tough question, right? Where where do you land on that? You know, is it that they listened to us, or is it that they played a game the whole time? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're ever going to know that. You know, we're yeah. never going to get to that person that's going to give us that answer. So we have to go with what do we do next, right? What do we do, what do we do as a public? Do we keep buying it? Do we boycott them? You know, do we boycott bookers at a hundred? I did, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Right? And we're feeding right into it. Cause we're talking about it more. And that's exactly what they want <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right now. They probably right now. <laughs> yeah. And they probably just wanted to make more basil Hayden's at 80 proof and sell it for $60 in that fancy new tube. They just put out. So. I finally saw the new tube. The new tube yeah. is nice. Although I'm not a huge basil Hayden fan. The new tube is sweet. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like Basil Hayden's like was my first like premium bourbon. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And now it's like, you know, it's water. It's this is the best fruit. bourbon can get right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know that's wondering why we're saying that, it's because you can go buy yourself a bottle of old granddad 114 or hell, even old granddad bottle and bond, add a little mm-hmm. bit of water to it, and now you've got Basil Hayden. It's <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the same exact thing, but uh, so you don't have the fancy copper hoop on the you know on the bottle. True, that's worth twenty five bucks. You know that (laughs) That makes the difference. (laughs) Anybody that doesn't know this, that actually old granddad, the granddad that's on the label is actually Basil Hayden. So there's another uh, little small tidbit for you. But some of the uh, comments that are coming in. So uh, Claire Rojan says, "Damn, I just bought six bottles of one fourteen for no reason." F marketing. (laughs) Um, Michael Lorado says, "I stocked up on three, and he's actually drinking one tonight." Um, but he's not crying over the fact that he stocked up on a few bottles. Um, but he agrees with Blake that a reconsideration would have taken a reaction to potential rumors. So it's, um, it's definitely one thing. And actually somebody actually had a pretty funny comment. Uh, try to give him the uh, benefit of the doubt here. Uh, John Erdahl, I said old grand bad. <laughs> <laughs> so for everybody that there does, doesn't have appreciation for it. So that's pretty good. All right. So let's go ahead and let's, let's kind of move on a little bit here. So one of the things, and this is kind of one that almost like intrigued me a little bit, um, because the, if anybody hasn't been able to see it and and you might be under your, underneath a rock like Ryan, but Buffalo trace released uh, a series of bottles called OFC and it was only for charities. And the only way that you can get into it, uh, and they valued these at eight to $10,000. And so the only way that you can actually own a bottle is you pony up and you pay eight to 10,000, or you can go, I don't know. I I'm getting sick of everybody that keeps tagging me to buy a raffle ticket for these goddamn things, uh, because they're everywhere. Uh, you, I can't swing a dead cat without hitting five of them. Uh, but before we kind of dive into it, uh, I want to give Nick a chance to kind of talk about the OFC bottles a little bit because, uh, he had a great article, uh, that came out last week, uh, talking about it. So Nick, I'll, I'll push it over to you. Sure. Yeah, so just a real quick kind of background, OFC stands for, well, it could stand for one of two things, uh, old-fashioned copper or old-fire copper. goes back to uh, Colonel Taylor's uh, name of the distillery. I actually asked Buffalo Trace why they grabbed on to old-fashioned instead of old-fire, and they said that that's, you know, from their records or what they know, that's what he first called it, so that's what they used. Uh, they released uh, 200 bottles 100 were put into oak in 1980, and then 50 1982, and then and then 50 1983. The age of the bottles, because that's you'd think that pretty old. How long have those been sitting around? Uh, actually, turns out they were dumped over time, uh, so they estimate they're about 20 years old or upwards of 20 years old. So, not an age statement, but that's coming from Buffalo Trace. So what they did was uh, they put those out to charities, you know, like. Uh, you know, Kenny mentioned, if you haven't seen it, you know, they're all over right now. That's going to be ending very soon. They're supposed to basically be done with it by the end of February. So they're supposed to report back in March to Buffalo Trace what they what they raised. And so the idea there is to, uh, I, I believe, you know, do some uh, kind of pre-marketing for what's going to be a future release for bottles that were put into oak or, you know, barrels that were put into oak, bourbon put into oak in 1990 and forward. So these are some older ones and Buffalo Trace acquired them, so they don't really know, or they say they don't really know exactly what's in them. You know, so mash bills could be any number of different things. So 
I think ultimately, if anyone read my article, it's a good thing for the community, a good thing for charity. Certainly there's uh, some theories and we'll talk about that a little more, you know, as to what their real intentions may be. But uh, I know that in fact, one local charity got a bottle. I have the bottle here. I'm holding it for them. And I know whatever they raise for it is going to be, you know, going to go to a great cause. So, I, you know, I see no, you know, no harm in that. And as far as the comparison goes, you know, you could look at, for example, uh, Mictor's Celebration Sour Mash, you know, $5,000 a bottle, you know, that's, you know, done a different way. Very expensive bottle, but it's, you know, it's not going to go to charities, you know, and what's going to happen next with that, what's their next release going to be. So a little background on that. One thing that you did put in your article is that there's no release of the mash bill either because they have no idea where it came from. Uh, Correct. They acquired the, the barrels. Yeah. So I guess um, we can kind of talk about rumors a little bit about things, um, you know, through through hearsay. Uh, but one thing that I heard is that it could possibly actually be Weller 19 in there. Well, who has tried it? Has anyone tried it? I have I not. not. Somebody has because they opened one um, – at one of the charity events in Kentucky. Yeah, there were some tasting notes on Facebook on it. I saw. Yeah, that was from Ed Blay, who was one of our past guests. Uh, he was he was at a, a an auction, or not an auction, but a place where everybody kind of uh, you paid X amount up front and you got to taste a few different bottles, and that was uh, you got like a half ounce sample or something like that. What did he so, say about it? I saw his Instagram post, but I didn't hear the actual notes. He he said it was it was kind of. Kind of like what you would figure, right? It kind of had a little bit of that, um, you know, kind of not over, not overly oaked um, thing, you know, or overly oaked taste to it. He said it kind of had a little bit of that that dusty funk as well. Um, yeah. So he said it was good uh, overall. He said it, it was up there as one of the better bourbons that he's had. Um, you know, then I I politely asked him like, "What well, do you believe it's worth?" Eight thousand dollars. He said, "Well, absolutely not. You know, nothing's worth that much." So I kind of want to uh, push it over to, uh, you know, a question for you, Blake. So, you know, do you think there might be like a, a hidden motive behind this for Buffalo Trace? You know, are they trying to compete with Michter's celebration? Because we all know that's hard to even justify it, um, you know, 5,000 or, you know, 3,500, you know, for that, what you would call a uh, Supreme Limited or anything like that. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to say because it, it is for charity. So, Great for Buffalo Trace for doing it for charity. I'm sure everyone on this panel has been messaged or emailed or whatever 45 times over the past month from some charity who got a bottle and wants to value it or wants to want you to run their raffle on your website. Um, I thought that was like Buffalo Trace's way of getting back at me for the uh, Pappy Van Winkle release maps was now I have to field a hundred emails for the OFC charity bottles. But it, you know, in reality, it is a really good thing that they're raising this money for charity. At the same time, they put a price tag on those bottles. So they said, these bottles are probably worth $10,000 before anything hit the market. So now every, every charity that received a bottle is looking to make $10,000. The market isn't really supporting $10,000 per bottle. And I think I, I forget who said it. So I'm who comment on this quote, if you're in the chat, but I think it's probably setting up for, Hey, now we're releasing our OFC vintage um, that's only going to be a thousand dollars a bottle and available at retail. I think something like that could be getting set up. 
And it's just pushing the market even higher for bourbon. You know, the more people are used to these huge price tags, whether it's charity or not, the more they're going to pay for these other bourbons, especially with kind of what Buffalo Trace or Sazerac has been doing with the E.H. Taylor line. They're slowly increasing the price and, you know, they're not going to put more barrels to Pappy because they don't want to increase that price. They're going to release new labels and increase the price of those. So I, I kind of have mixed emotions about it. I mean, while I think it's great, because I think there's a lot of really good charities that have been helped out by this bourbon, I think it pushes that ultra, ultra premium market even higher. And it's ultimately bad for the consumer of bourbon. So it, it, it's kind of a catch-22 or a Trojan horse per se. <laughs> that the distillery seems to be using. So we'll see. I mean, ultimate, who knows, maybe Sazerac is purely altruistic and just wants to raise money for charities and they have no intentions of, of using this to help them out in the future. But I don't know. I just would be surprised if we don't see a $500 bottle from Sazerac or Buffalo trace in the near future. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is probably a clever coup uh, designed by Buffalo Trace. You know, they they probably had these these barrels they were sitting around, and I don't know. They, there's not really a whole lot of um, you know information behind it, whether it was tanked, how long it was tanked, anything like that, or when it was dumped, or anything. So, yeah. a, a 20 year old bourbon. I'm sure it's going to taste great. I'm sure it is. Um, you know, to val- to try to give it out to charities to try to raise eight to ten thousand dollars, I think that was a pretty hard um, sell. I think it's trying to take a little bit advantage of the market um, because, as you kind of said, you're creating false valuations that are out there. Because one thing that's gonna happen, and it is gonna happen, is that once all these things, um, somebody wins a bottle through a raffle that is going to end up on the secondary market and we will figure out and find out what the real price somebody's going to pay because they might have only paid a hundred dollars to win the bottle and mm-hmm. maybe it'll be two thousand maybe i think one already sold on the secondary yeah recall yeah, there was one really early on no one did sell on bourbon secondary market remember that guy bought it he says he bought it and then he made like 10 grand himself on the bottle so he was he, honest too. He said what he was doing. He said it wasn't for charity. Even the ones that I've seen charity, I've seen charity bottles go for three to five grand. I think just from what I've heard. Now I've seen one closer to eight. Um, we did. We, did, we had one. I I got one through for our school, and um, we actually sold it because we had to. They give you a March first deadline, so our. We have two auctions a year. One was in December. One was in March. So we kind of had to rush a little bit at the auction. I mean, the other one was in April. So it was past the deadline. So we kind of had to rush. So we made close to five. Um, mm-hmm. Probably could have gotten more if we had done tickets for it, you know, done a raffle. But you have to apply for a different kind of um, license if you're a nonprofit and you want to do a raffle. And it was just kind of a mess. So, I mean, it still was awesome. It was about five grand that um, – was just you know we we really didn't have to do anything for and it it goes to a great cause with our school and it was awesome. Um, wish I wish it hadn't gotten so high so I could have had a chance to. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I think it's it's awesome of Buffalo Trace to do this. I, I really think they had such a limited amount that they said let's um, let's get our name out there. 
beyond the bourbon world by doing all this for charity. So for their sake, you know, the marketing for it is awesome. I'm sure they're going to end up at some point, you know, in, in some sort of, you know, publication that's not booze related or spirits related, you know, you'll start to maybe, maybe even get them on a, a regular fake news channel. Um, you know, cause it's, it's a, it's a great deal on their part, but I also think it's great marketing too. I mean, for them, you know, they're the 200 bottles, um, probably, I don't know what the, what they would make off of it, but being able to get it out there, get people money, get the name Buffalo Trace spread out. You know, right now I still think Buffalo Trace is a name that is not an everyday name. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to restaurants, Maker's Market's an everyday name. Jim Beam, everyday name. Buffalo Trace is not. So maybe this is a push. It's a, it's a great marketing move. It's it's a generous move on their part. And I think rumors aside of whatever, you know, may be, I think it's a great it's a great thing they did. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that. I think that was the, you know, why I got behind it and wrote the article. And if you read our latest newsletter, kind of wrote up, a, you know, we wrote up at the concept of why it's good for the community as a whole. You know, I, got, I know I've talked to people that would normally not talk about bourbon, but this kind of drew them into what is bourbon. They're viewing bourbon as a good thing, not just some random, you know, liquor. And I think there's a separation. You know, if you think about how much somebody's willing to pay for a bottle, this is different. You know, it's going to a charity, you have that charitable side of, of things. You have, you know, a bottle that's a thousand dollars or five thousand or ten thousand is not gonna be someone's not buying that because it tastes really good. You know, they're buying that because there's two hundred of them or because they can, right? So it's different than going out to buy, you know, am I am I gonna pay fifty bucks for bookers or seventy five or a hundred? That that scares me more because that's the price creep in the area where we are in the area where we afford and where we drink versus something here. You know, I don't think that this is going to cause the rest of the market to get pulled up. You know, the person buying this bottle for $5,000 or $10,000 is not, you know, that's not going to kind of filter down into the guy who's suddenly going to spend a hundred dollars for a bottle where his, his other cap or his previous cap was 20 or 30. You know, so I don't worry about that. It all with this, you can certainly take that approach. You know, will Buffalo Trace come out with the next, you know, round of them at 500? My guess is 599. Which is fine. Like, that's when they do that, absolutely, it'll be limited. That's fine. And you know what? They're kind of, they're really good at that. You know, think about BTAC, right? Think about where Pappy is made now, you know? So they are good at that kind of like that market of that creating that value somehow. And then having that drive the market without any other marketing. And that's what's going on here. And it's going to benefit charities and it's going to benefit their brand and trickle down. So I'm, I'm fine with that. But my, my question is this, like Buffalo Trace, do you think they really make money? Like is their bread and their their money maker BTAC or Pappy? Fireball. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Fireball. That's that's where they make their money. I mean, but, but not Sazerac. Buffalo Trace is in like their – core product buffalo trace eagle rare eh taylor small batch i mean it's the the main products that they push out that they're going to make their money from right so most of the stuff is just brand recognition right Right. it's about antique collection they're not going to make a ton of money from it they know it's limited it's brand recognition yeah and since it's named ofc it's got to be only for charity from now on right (laughs) (laughs) he's been waiting that's what it meant right So, Ryan, I'll kind of push this question over to you. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on a bottle that hits the secondary market that was intended to be sold uh, or actually, you know, auctioned off for for charities? 
Yeah, I think it's kind of grimy. Uh, the, I feel a little uneasy with that, you know, that uh, it was meant for charity and then you're trying to flip it on the, I don't know, I just feel uneasy about it. It doesn't make, it seems a little slimy. But, you know, you bought your raffle ticket, I guess. You contributed to the charity, but I don't know. Just it's enjoy it. Do with it whatever you want to do. That's my thought. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah I'm a free market guy, you know? <laughs> In fact, I got an OSC bottle for sale. If anybody wants, it's going to be about 10 grand. I just got to buy it for about seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> Which That's Buffalo a- Trace, they've done this before. Is like, what was it? The Millennium Barrel? Yeah. yeah with the Millennium Barrel and... um. Didn't they do another one? Was that the only one they've done? I think that was the only one. That's what they okay. cited in, oh. in, on their website. Sorry, John Cole said he uh, he said he actually gets annoyed when an OFC hits the secondary, and you know I I can kind of see that that happening as well. Uh, my opinion, I think it's it's a little annoying only because of what it was originally intended to go for, uh, what it was intended to go to, but. I can I can also see the flip side and say I paid five thousand. It's worth seven. I'll go ahead and sell it. But you know, good luck maybe get, trying to get seven from from somebody unless they they really have that kind of cash to splurge because you don't see a whole lot of um, Mictor celebrations at you know mm-hmm. going above cost plus shipping. So I'd be um, very hesitant to throw down any kind of money on something that's that has that high of a price tag. To that yeah. point too. I mean, right now, if you're putting something up on this, if you're putting OFC up on the secondary, you're competing with charities who are still trying to auction their bottles. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing if it's a year from now and it's done, you know, but right now they're they're still trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see a difference there too with, you know, don't do it yet. Wait for the charities to raise their money, step aside. And then if you're going to do it, at least wait till that's over. Cool. So let's go ahead and let's move on to the next topic here. So uh, this is one that I think I think everybody kind of goes through this, and and I think it also takes somebody that is getting into this I don't know hobby I guess you can call it, and it it takes it takes education, uh, and this is what I call NDP MGP and the bias. So NDP is a non non distilling producer. Uh, MGP is this big ass distillery over here in Morrisburg, <laughs> Indiana. And um, so I'll kind of, I'll push it over to you guys. Um, does, does anyone hold a grudge against NDPs and refuse to buy? Or are you a believer that flavor can come mostly from aging and finishing rather than the distillate itself? I mean, have you ever tried Jefferson's that wasn't aged on an ocean? regular jefferson's that's not aged on an ocean is terrible but then when you throw a little salt in it from the ocean waves the air it's just it's magical look i think you have to look at the ndp as two different spectrums right you have the ndp that doesn't give a shit about ever making their own stuff and you have an NDP that is just trying to make capital so that they can start making their own stuff. Smooth Ambler, High West, uh, Angels Envy, even that just opened their own their own distillery. So if you start out, you got to age the stuff. We all get it, right? Nothing tastes good. Moonshine is shit for a reason. It's all white dog moonshine, whatever you want to call it. It's gross. The ninety or whatever percent of the flavor comes from the aging in the barrel, and it takes time. So I don't think there's anything wrong with buying somebody else's product and saying on the bottle, this is somebody else's product. We're just selling it. You know, a lot of companies have done that really well for a long time. So I think 
when you look at the people who actually want to make capital to make their own stuff, I think that's different from a company that will always buy somebody else's stuff and market it as their own. I'm going to drop the mic right there. <laughs> Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. I don't have a problem with, because so, some of these NDPs are able to bottle, you know, like a 10 barrel run or something that is a completely different flavor profile than what you would normally get or able to sit on it for a couple more years. Um, now that becomes a slippery slope of the, we're going to get a bunch of crap that is just getting bottled and because demand has gone up. But I don't know. I'm not even convinced like High West and Smooth Ambler and some of these other people are bottling MGP so that while they wait for their own, I think they just found a niche in picking good barrels and bottling it under their own label. Especially when it comes from MGP, I don't mind because what does MGP have? One label and they make a lot of really good whiskey. So you kind of have to go to these other NDPs if you want to get really good MGP whiskey. Um, so personally, I don't have a problem with it. If it's good, it's good. Uh, doesn't matter if they made it or not, um, but there are a lot of bourbon purists who will vehemently disagree with that statement. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree with the others. Uh, as long as they're transparent about it, I'm cool with it. You know, I mean, the the smooth amblers and the Willets and everything who kind of let you know it's source. But as long as people are transparent about it, I'm cool with it. As long as it tastes good, I'm cool with it. You know, it's when you get the the Templeton rise of the world or whatever, just, you know, just kind of throwing out a story and all this stuff that kind of pisses you off. But for the most part, I'm cool with it. What's the story about the whiskey that, uh, Al Capone drank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I think you could. I think NDP sometimes get an unfair bad rap, and that that can maybe come from other NDPs that don't, you know, they don't treat their own product with care, and and they they are not to say outright lie, but you know, they definitely aren't truthful with what they have. They don't necessarily go to lengths to curate good whiskey. Yeah, I think there's a difference. I think you actually it helps to know what it is, who made it, is it an NDP, even from the NDP, where do they get it from? You don't always know that. They won't always tell you that. That doesn't mean it can't still be good or you can't venture a guess as to where you got it. But in a general concept with anything, whether they're distilling it or not, it's, you know, what care went into the curation of what what's there and what are they telling you about it? You know, you could ask that question about anything, you know, because even those that distill on their own, you know, Jim Beam White Label, I, I don't like it. You know, they make it, they distill it, they bottle it, whatever. It's made for a certain market, you know, but uh, Joe Beatrice over a barrel, you know, I've talked to him, what he goes through to find barrels, what he goes through to blend and taste and that, you know, he takes a lot of time doing that. And I think that's why his product has been so good and so increasingly good. I like it. I could, you know, it's got a certain flavor profile. So I understand if that's not your thing, it's not your thing. But at the same time, I know he goes through a lot to kind of curate those. And I know he's going to be distilling now too, but that's going to be a part of what he does. You know, so I think with anything, it's how much have they gone into the curation? You know, are they trying to put out a good product? Or are they just trying to capitalize, make money and push out garbage? That's the question, really. So this was a, a pretty good comment that came in from Thomas Strand. He goes, isn't it just supply chain dynamics at the end of the day? If MGP is great at distilling, but not great at marketing, let these other guys go buy the barrels and do a good job of getting it to the market. I think they've run out of price though is the problem. <laughs> well, and then boost freaks uh, responded. and he said, the industry is all about the story in the bottle. So when you're trying something new, what influences the most, probably the look of the product for yeah. a new, for a new buyer, that may be the case. If you're uninformed, you know, Calumet farms, you know, looked at that and <laughs> you know, and you're like, wait, so what is in this bottle? It looks great, but what is really in it? Um, you know, and again, like these, you know, these NDPs, a lot of them, MGP, you know, they're, they're a great distiller, you know, so even though they're packaged by somebody else and marketed by somebody else, they're still made by great distillers, you know, bullet sourcing from Four Roses, still made by a great distiller, right? So there's, they've still been distilled very well, right? It's again, harder to find the good stuff, maybe, but somewhere like MGP, they're still putting out the good stuff to, you know, folks that are going to produce and bottle it or what they consider the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Bo Boost Freaks also said, he said that distill, it can have, you know, vastly different flavors, but that doesn't mean an NDP or MGP can't taste great. And I, I think that's, that's absolutely true. You know, I've, I've had, uh, I wouldn't say I've got a lot, you know, I'll, I'm going to say that I do have a little bit of bias. Like, can you snob? Well, no, no, I'm not going to say that. I mean, okay, maybe a little bit, but what I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and, and it's always the price point. You know, we, uh, somebody just brought this up a second ago is the price point is what really, really kind of gets to me. So am I going to go pay a hundred dollars for a bottle of MGP that might taste just like one of the other 60 bottles that are on the shelf that come in from MGP that are all priced, you know, 70 to a hundred and $200. Or do I just go with that four rows of single barrel there that I know where it came from. I know what it has a label on it. I know the story behind it for 65 bucks. Like that's, that's the, that's the dilemma that I, I usually face in my head. Yeah. But every four rows of the barrel that's out there now is the Q yeast and like, who wants the Q yeast, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but 
good. All the good shit. I just had some OBSK, which you can't find any. I mean, it's so damn rare to find OBSK. Tastes like cotton candy. It's delicious. Everybody drank the shit out of it, bought the shit out of it. Now it's Q yeast or get the hell out or F. There's plenty of F yeast if you want to taste friggin' grossness or so <laughs> recipes are amazing but they're you can't find them so i just feel like i don't know the the quality of private barrel and source stuff everything is just you know a smooth ambler drying up now with their private barrels i think there's just too many people that are in this hobby and they need to get the hell out then <laughs> <laughs> i think 20 uh, 22 catch 22 brought up another great point he said mgp had tons of uh talent that came from seagrams uh which is true i mean that's that's kind of their bread and butter they've been doing that for a long long time so uh they, they did have the talent that that was that was over there for for a while uh john erdahl had a pretty funny comment he says ndps are a good palate cleanser for a nice twist and a bourbon tasting yeah i, I mean when you think about it it's it's kind of dumb whenever you go not to pick on like will it but people are paying $400 for a 12 year old will it when I haven't had it's many 12 year old willets that are better than Elijah Craig barrel proof and yeah. he, he, that's just the reality of it it comes in a cooler package it's and the same thing probably. Else. yeah but it's basically the same thing that's been uh aging across the street but yet it's going for $350 when Elijah Craig Barrel Proof is going for, you know, even on the secondary, what's it at? Maybe $100, $120 right now. And you can find it a lot of times for $60, $70. Bucks. Um, yeah, but those warehouses sit on top of the hill, not the bottom. Yeah. You know, it has- yeah. So <laughs> I, I know that uh, 30 feet of elevation difference in Kentucky makes a huge difference. But, uh, <laughs> That's extreme here. That's how bad. Will it, you know, that, that's a whole nother conversation they have a huge following of fans mm-hmm. they have a, a huge fan base they still have um you know source barrels that they'll sell while their product is pushing four to five years old now but you know they they put out a barrel and people run to their cars to drive an hour to get down there to buy a bottle <laughs> an hour one of them's on here right now and what kind of production do they really <laughs> see for those I mean, what do those numbers really look like, right? I mean, that's still fairly limited. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's only a that definitely models. plays into it, right? But I mean, it plays into a big time. That kind of really large scale. On that bottle is worth 50 bucks alone. I mean, the purple and the little stuff mm-hmm. all like right there, that's, I mean, that label is. Strong. It's pretty. Um, and that's, you can't blame them because they see what people are paying for it on the secondary. So it's like, if somebody's going to pay, $500 for a bottle that we just sold them for $75 at the distillery. What are we doing? But, you know, so my question isn't to will it, it's to the community as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fuck is wrong with you. Do, do you understand what you're buying is, is the big thing. Like, yeah, they had all these crazy, you know, Stitzel Weller or old medley or whoever they're Bernheim or whoever Bernheim. they're buying these 12 year old Bernheim. Congratulations. But it's not even that anymore. It's just like 12-year-old Heaven Hill at this point. I mean, what, what are we counting back 12 years from 2017? Yeah, it's basically 12-year-old Heaven Hill, so it's Elijah Craig barrel-proof. That's where I start to – it's like, okay, people aren't even getting it anymore. It's the same thing with Pappy because, you know, everyone was like, oh, man, Pappy and the Stitzel Weller and, 
no, it's, it's just well or 12 at this point. But you know what they can do now? And then I'll let you guys talk because <laughs> it drives me crazy. Now they'll only release, say, 68 bottles of the whole barrel, even though there might be 150. And the message goes out, there's 78 bottles of 12-year barrel at Willet. And everybody gets in their damn cars or their go-karts or whatever, and they fucking tear off and go buy. Vespa scooters. 78 yeah. bottles, and you never hear about it again. Well, I think I think the the one thing that Willet has done very well is they captured a part of the market that nobody else is doing of just creating snowflakes. Mm-hmm. They they put out one barrel. This is the one barrel that is only going to be available at this one time. And as Carrie always likes to say, they're creating FOMO every single time a new barrel is released, right? And so I, everybody just kind of you know drops what they're doing, runs out there, gets two bottles, comes home. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm guilty, guilty as charged. I, I do it plenty, but uh, you know the one thing about it is that I I do think that I I have to go agree with Carrie again. Uh, that fucking marketing and their packaging is just unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, the family crest, the tube, the handwritten pieces to it. I think oh, it's a beautiful bottle. I mean, it's it is a and, beautiful bottle. You have to have one. You have I mean, it makes your bar, I mean, it just stands out your bar. I mean, it's. So that's that's why I think I, that everybody kind of has a fascination with it. I also think the fascination comes with the rich history of what you would call epic Willets, you know, twenty four ninety four rye and um, barrel fifty and all the wax tops that everybody loved pre twenty fourteen for some odd reason because you put wax on it, it immediately tastes better. But that's I think that's one of the things that everybody just has this fascination from you know, what it was a few years ago. And, um, you know, they just don't want to miss out. They want to just keep buying it. And I, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. But they, And that says something to bourbon too. I mean, I, I think it was an article somebody wrote about Elijah Craig 12-year when it lost the age statement, you know, and you could say the same thing about, you know, what people think about when they drink Willet or when they drink anything else that they have some or feel some connection to, you know, whether it's real or implied or inferred or whatever, it's that, you know, when, when you, when you drink a bourbon, part of what you think about is, you know, when did this go into Oak, you know, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it's, it's more than just what it tastes like. It's everything that kind of comes with it. So when you know that, when you feel a connection to it, when you feel that exclusivity or that limited type of you know, that limited nature, that limited connection, the barrel number on there and everything. that, that yeah. helps, that helps that feeling, you know, there's definitely a feeling there. You know, I think that's why the, you know, the rapid aging, you know, aged overnight, aged in a month stuff is never really going to work. Even if it tastes just as good, because a lot of what we're buying and drinking is because of all that other stuff that comes with it, you know, and that's hard to put a price tag on $50 a label. Maybe it's $300 a label if you do it right. Right, which will it obviously is. I mean, they're taking advantage of what they can and they're doing it in a unique way. You know, kudos to them for doing it because people are eating it up. Right. So I think that plays into it big time. Well, so I think that's NDP's challenge because they maybe don't have that. Right. And so they want to create that. But when you're coming in new, when you're coming in fresh, you haven't distilled, you don't have a story, you're looked at under a finer mic, you know, microscope. Absolutely. And I think one thing on the the will it piece is that you know what they're doing is you know like i said they're, they're creating these snowflakes but at the same time i'm wondering what's going to happen here in a few years when the source stuff is just all gone and they have to rely on their own distillate um you know there's a lot of people that have had the four-year single barrels that came out and they're like yeah it's great you know 
but I'd rather have the the 12 year, the 13 or the 14 or whatever. So it'll be interesting to kind of see when they have to rely on their own distillate for, uh, you know, in seven years when they can actually bottle it at, you know, nine, 10, 11 years uh, of age. I wonder if people will be done with bourbon by then. By the time. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be, we'll be back on. to vodka. We'll be back to vodka. <laughs> OFCs will be gone for 40 bucks on the secondary. <laughs> here's, here's a good question I'll, I'll throw out to you guys because there's a lot of things that are coming up in the chat and they're talking about the Willet pot still. Most people are going to say it's crap. It. Uh, everybody's going to say they hate it. But for some reason, we always see people posting pictures. They're like, I finally got one. I finally got a Willet and they post a pot still picture. They didn't even make it. They don't even claim to make it. Like the pot still looks awesome at Willet and they'll be like, here's the pot still from the bottle that we don't even make that stuff. <laughs> but it makes a sweet fucking lamp when you're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> or you burn a hole and put a little pipe in there. It's a great little bong. My buddy told me. Yeah, it looks like a hookah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like repurposed. I mean, how many people could say a Willet pot still that's not actually made by Willet, but they don't care. I mean, it's, to me, it tastes like corn pudding. It's gross, but <laughs> you got to realize. Well, I wonder what percentage of the total bourbon market the bourbon enthusiasts are. Like, are we like two percent of the total bourbon market? Because oh, not even two percent. Yeah, every time I'm in total wine, people will pick up handles of Jim Beam or enough wrong against these brands again, or Maker's Mark, or be like, "Hey, can you recommend a bourbon?" And they're like, "Yeah, let me show you this." Total Wine has its own private label, mm-hmm. and they have a Solera aging system where we like pour bourbon down from barrels, and it goes in circles and spins. <laughs> <laughs> and like, fuck yeah, let's buy this Longhorn bourbon or whatever. Ninety-four points amongst Total Wine taster <laughs> manager wants to try this one. Yeah, it's yeah. his favorite, and everybody wants to buy Billy Bob's favorite, so they are pulling yeah. that. Buck Eagle off the shelf and buying that. But, you know, I, I'm I'll have to admit when person. I walk into aisles, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know Cabernets. I, okay. Yeah. Well, Jim thinks right. this Cabernet is delicious. Okay, I'll take it. It's a Cabernet, right? I'm but totally guilty with that at Total Wine. I totally <laughs> look for the 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 uh, wine people's suggestions. I'm like, oh, right. he says They're it's like, good. It's got to be. This, this wine is made by TerraPure. You need to buy this wine right here. We actually, uh, we put in like like barrels at the top that drop wine down, and it's amazing. So you need to buy it. We're like, okay. okay. Awesome. This, this isn't on the agenda for tonight, but when you're in a liquor store and you see someone contemplating their bourbon purchase, do you ever jump in and say, eh, you don't, I want to, don't. don't go with that one? Like, I can't do it. I, I feel like too much of a dork by doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I actually had somebody, I was looking for something at a store one time and they jumped in on me and like, Hey man, you really need to try angels envy. (laughs) I was like, Oh man, you know, he'd be nice. I was like, I appreciate it. You know, thanks. So I'll I'll have to check it out. And, (laughs) but I always kind of want to, whenever I see somebody standing there, I'm like, so what are you interested in? What what, what do you like? And tell me, (laughs) but I never quite make it to that point. I've done it before and regretted it. 5% yeah. of us know what the hell we're talking about. 90% of us have no idea. We just grab off the shelf. And the other 5% think we That's know me. what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was – well, the reason I was late tonight was we, we went to a making 
chocolate truffle and tasting and one of the tastings was a whiskey well first they said yeah we got a bourbon we're gonna pair with uh chocolate truffles they said it's this bourbon from uh whistling pig and i look at my brother i'm like it's whistle pig and whistle pig only make dry whiskey and he's like okay don't be that guy out here <laughs> <laughs> up, the guy don't be a dick. and they're like okay you know this is an 80 proof i said eh. Whistle pig that make 80 proof. They do 10 year, 100 proof. And I'm like, nerd okay, alert. I, I don't want to jump in because, yeah, it, it makes you look I, like a nerd. I don't want to be a bourbon nerd, but you guys are all wrong. <laughs> they don't even make whistle pig, doesn't even make their own shit. It's I'm Alberta like, rye. It's exactly. all Jim Beam rye, isn't it? It's a Canadian. No, they're, they're all, all Canada. That's good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this up with one <laughs> last question because uh, we're reaching an hour here. So this is actually from Bruce Schwalm, and he had a question for the panel. It actually just came up, and he said, if we are the geeks and we're the 1% of drinkers out there, why are we more focused on the art, or why aren't we more focused on the art and then less on the marketing? What oh, The marketing's what fun. We, <laughs> about? we well, drink we... bourbon because of the taste. I'm going first. <laughs> we drink bourbon because of the Thought taste. you like cleanup. End of the day. We, oh, I do like cleanup. I do like to be the designated hitter. Uh, what do they call the fourth guy? The designated hitter is now the cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> we drink it because of its taste. We don't care about marketing. We don't care about marketing. We don't care about marketing. <laughs> At the end of the day, we want something that tastes awesome that we can pour for a friend who drinks it and says, "Damn, this is awesome." Um, and that's that is what creates the memories that keep us in this hobby, right? So we don't care about the bullshit. Uh, I'll disagree. I probably care about the bullshit because when I'm pouring something, I want to tell a story and we all connect around it, whatever. So I'm, I guess I'm a whatever sucker, but uh, I like that's the marketing. You, that's why you I have like, all those orphan barrels. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's you were the first a, person uh, to give me Ryan's got a barrel. set of uh, orphan barrels at the houses. Don't let Kenny fool you. He was the first one to give me an orphan barrel. Ten, ten bottles of gifted horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's. I mean, let's all be honest. Like we we kind of got into a little bit of this, not because of the art, but because you see the bottle, you see the thing behind it, and and I, I think it, not that say so you get into it, but you get into it because of the taste, but then you get into other ones because of uh, some of the marketing that is really behind a lot of these, right? I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead if we're doing true confessions of a bourbon drinker. Yeah, I bought an orphan barrel. I bought Barter House 20 year, like when it first came out, because I thought it was gonna be the fucking tits. Uh, and then I realized like, this is all marketing. Like this is, this is, I just paid a hundred dollars for like an 85 proof or 89 proof bottle. And I just kind of, that's kind of like ended my my love relationship with with the orphan, orphan barrel at that point, right? Uh, and then at that point, you get a little you get a little bit more savvy, um, a little bit of a savvy consumer, and you start really uh, learning everything that's behind those uh, fancy labels. <laughs> As Kerry shows his bottle of forged oak that he um, loves so dearly. Yeah, it's you know maybe it's the maybe it's the marketing that drew people in, you know, so maybe somebody was drawn in because of the marketing of a bottle or the marketing of a company, you know, I think it's more of why do people stay? You know, what keeps you here? Is that the taste? Is that drinking from a bottle directly? Maybe <laughs> like <laughs> it's tax season. I, I think, it, I think it. at the end of the day, I do think it's the people you connect with ultimately that, 
you know, that, that keeps it going, you know, more so than even just the taste or just the, the actual story. If you can dig out the actual story behind anything, you know, you got to sometimes dig harder than other times. But, you know, I think ultimately it's a community. If you didn't have this, if you didn't have people talking about it, friends talking about it, it really wouldn't be that fun. You know, so I, I think you might lose interest if, if you didn't have that. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's where I think the the marketing is kind of the art of this whole thing is we're talking about manufacturing plants when it all comes down to it. You know, the guys being Buffalo Trace, uh, any Brown Foreman, Old Forester, uh, Woodford, whatever you want to call it, Four Roses, they're manufacturing plants. It's not changing all that much um, when we're looking at these big brands. So how they market it is a part of the art to me. So that, that's the fun part that gets everyone excited. And as much as we, as much as we hate it and like to bash on the ones who we don't think do a good job at it, we kind of praise the ones who we do think could do, who we do think ha- have kind of won at this game, you know, will it like, man, they've, they've figured this thing out because it's brilliant. Um, and, and you know, some of these other ones like orphan barrel, we, some of them I love, some of them I hate, but we still talk about them. So, um, I, I think that all just kind of comes into that 1% of, we need something to talk about and different marketing is, gives us great stuff to feast on as someone overly dedicated to bourbon. So orphan yeah. barrel. This what? podcast would have been over at episode five if all we did was talk about um, the yeah. engineering behind it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Orphan barrels represent the bourbon industry in general, right? So they bought a whole bunch of old shitty barrels and they <laughs> no, just had them. No, no, Carrie, I don't know if you read the marketing, but they didn't know they were there and they found <laughs> them. <laughs> we bought them, right? We bought them. A whole bunch of twenty-year-old flavoring. Hold on, this Excel spreadsheet died. Racks of barrels in historic Stitzelweller rack Rick House. The Kentucky Street Bourbon has. <laughs> right, but see my parallel here. So we bought the crap out of it. They made a whole bunch of them. They've kind of slowed down into disgusting realms now, and like there's nothing left. So we. <laughs> They bought up all that was available. We bought up all that they made. And now the whole industry is just kind of grinding to a halt. And everyone needs to jump off the little bandwagon <laughs> and get ready for 10 years from now when you go back in a store and Pappy is sitting on the shelf. No, won't happen. <laughs> I will put my money on the over with that one. In 10 years from now, I'm going to bet you that you will not find Pappy anywhere. Okay. But. 10 years from now. There'll be so Jag- much further. They'll be amazing. The Jaguars <laughs> have three Super Bowl championships. The, uh, the Browns <laughs> will win about, more than I'm a Falcons games. fan. Don't talk about Pappy the Super Bowl. Pappy is sitting on the shelves everywhere. Kentucky Henry, football will win SEC. Henry McKenna 10 year has become the, the America's number one bourbon. It should. No, don't say Henry McKenna 10 year. Nobody should know about that. It's terrible. Don't buy. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go ahead and let's, let's kind of wrap this up. So I want to uh, give a few different shout outs to some of the people that had commented. Uh, Chris Walker said my first five to 10 bourbon purchases were overpriced and marketing driven. Luckily I finally learned what I was doing. Uh, the speak speakeasy said marketing might get us to buy the first bottle uh, cough, cough pot still, but that only works once. 
Bill Wood says, I will drink whatever Mila Kunis tells me to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, can I just say, uh, Bill Woods actually sold me my first uh, stag and uh, or traded me actually my first stag, and I will never forget him for that. So thank you, Bill Woods. Well, there we go. Now, we, now you got to get your advertisement in at the very end. I don't actually, I don't know his <laughs> real name. But <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thank All right. Um, so one last thing I got to do is I got to, I got to revive a little bit of the Jeffersons, which you put down. I actually kind of enjoy their, their very, uh, very small batch, whatever it is, very old small batch. Uh, but it was actually pretty funny. Chris Walker, when he was, when you guys were talking about the ocean, he says, um, you know, don't forget about what the seagull shit does to the barrels. <laughs> yeah. You like Jeffersons. There's <laughs> something wrong with you. Hey, different, different, uh, different, different, palettes, for different folks. That's why we're in this hobby because right. like is a dislike for somebody else. And that's all. Yeah. So let's go ahead and just kind of go around the horn real quick. Give one more shout out about uh, where you blog, where you can find yourself on Twitter, Facebook, secondary markets, all that fun stuff. I'm going to change, change it up. Everybody's going to or introduce someone else. So I'm going to go as Carrie from suburbia.com. And, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> You can donate to my kid's school with the OFC charity tasting. You can <laughs> know Blake from bourboner.com. Um, what? <laughs> bourboner. Uh, Twitter, bourboner.com. And Instagram is just bourboner. And you can join the Facebook group uh, by searching for bourboner. Um, Nick? BreakingBourbon.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Breaking Bourbon. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter and uh, follow for weekly posts. All right, Carrie, it's your turn. Oh, Wrap this up for us. It's not my turn. It's Cecil's turn. Or it's uh, right. You really want to go last. All right. Yeah. You can find me at Bourbon Pursuit with Kenny doing everything uh, social media related. But uh, go ahead, back cleanup. You can find me on suburbia.com, but really, I am always on burboner.com. <laughs> One of my favorite sites. And once a quarter, you're going to find a great blog article because I just can't write, but I love to talk. So this is why this is my home for the future. But yeah, at bourbon underscore gamer on Twitter. I mean, you all already follow me now, but first of all, I... I or not first of all, but last of all, uh, Kenny and Ryan, um, you guys put in a lot more work than we do. We just drink bourbon and we get on here and just bullshit for an hour and a half. You guys actually do the editing and the work and everything. So again, you guys are doing an amazing job of keeping this thing up. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's why uh, thank you. I figured, figured we owe you some swag for bringing in all these people. So we, all right. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of close this out real quick, but uh, got to say thank you to everybody that uh, was joining the live stream here at the very peak. We had 87 people uh, watching. Um, so got to say thank you to everybody. We got 70 viewers on right now. And with that, we're going to kind of wrap this up. Uh, we've got a pretty good month planned ahead for March. I think we're going to do a newbies month. So you're going to yeah. find just everybody that's kind of, you know, we, we do a bad job of talking about the secondary market. We might drive a lot of that, but we're kind of going to get back to our roots in, in March and, and really just talk about the, uh, 
as as um, Bruce kind of wanted to get at a little bit earlier, is we're going to focus on the art and less on the marketing of it. So, uh, with that, makes you so if you so if you like what you hear, support the show on Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash Bourbon Pursuit. We've got t shirts, koozies, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff that uh, we're going to send your way for for helping sponsor the show. Um, make sure you follow us on all those social media channels at Bourbon Pursuit on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any other show suggestions or people that uh, are not craft distilleries, we're switching our format for this year. Uh, we're not doing craft distilleries. We, we realize we get that, way too many. Yeah. Way we're too glad. many, way too many requests and not enough listenership. So uh, we're going to, we're going to focus on people like people like this. People like it when you sit around and bitch about bourbon. So we might just keep doing a little more of this. So uh, thank you everybody that, that joined in and we'll see you next week. 